even a completely different passage, but it's going to focus us on this new series of dwelling with Jesus, and uh, hopefully it will help us launch this. So uh, the passage I want us to turn to is actually John 15. So get your Bibles out, open up to John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair, or you can open up your phone or your app. John 15. I'm going to start reading with verse 5, John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word, and it's true, and you can rely on it. Put together some pictures, and I want to see if you can tell what these people love. (laughs) Any ideas? Yeah, okay. Do we have any Vikings fans here? Is it a good year to be a Vikings fan? I know it's a better year to be a Viking fan than to be a Packer fan. I know that much, right? Okay, I got a question for you. Do you suppose that these people are only like this during a ball game? I'm guessing they're not. I'm guessing that they're probably fans all the time. They're probably the kind of people who paint their house purple and they probably put big Viking horns on their car. Their ringtone is a Viking horn. I'm sure that's what they do. That's, if you're a fan to that level, you're a fan all the time, right? You're all in. Okay? Can you tell me what this individual loves? Yeah, if you can't read it, it says Harley Davidson on there. You've got to love your motorcycle a lot to get a tattoo like that, don't you? Yeah. Okay, can you tell me what this person loves? Does she love her dog? Oh, yeah, this is so cute. How do you know she loves her dog? Yeah, I am a dog person. I'm still learning what that means. I love my dogs a lot, but I will not let my dogs lick my lips. That is where I draw the line. There's no way. This person loves her dog. Okay, what about this person? What does she love? 
Yeah, it's pretty obvious. It made me wonder, if I would come into your house and walk around and look at the things that you collect, the things that you display, do you think I could tell what you love? If I would look at your checkbook and the way you spend your money, the things you buy with your money, or a lot of you don't have checkbooks, if I just looked at how you spent your money, could I tell the things you love? Yeah, we surround ourselves with the things we love, don't we? Okay, what about this? Yeah, I'm not even really sure what they love, but I just thought it would actually help your mood if we thought about warm thoughts. And we're kind of tropical heat wave today since we're way up to 16 already, but um, more heat coming. Okay, here's my premise. We are what we love. That the things that we love shape us. It forms us. Okay? We love Christ, and so we even have a name for that. We call you Christian, right? John 15 is very clear. I think it's one of the most clear passages in all the Bible. Jesus calls us to follow him, and following him means abiding. Abide with me. Abiding with Jesus results in love. It results in love for Jesus and love for each other. It seems like he's very clear on this. We are called to love, and we are what we love. And this is so important that we find warnings from Jesus himself, actually, in the Bible. The one I'm thinking about right now is in Revelation chapter 2, and it was written to the church of Ephesus. This is what Jesus said. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have treated those who claim to be, uh, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. Do you know what's next? You lost your first love. You lost this basic, this is so vital and basic to who we are as followers. We are what we love. And what we want to think about for the next several weeks is, do we need to rekindle our first love? And if we do, how might we pursue that? Now, some of you here might be just fine in this category. There's no, no issue with this, but I think many of us have a challenge. I know I do sometimes have a challenge with um, being distracted with my loves, being divided in my loves, losing track of my first love. So our hope is that we can rekindle that. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love. Jesus said, My commandment is this, love each other. This seems like it's fairly simple. We are what we love. When we love Jesus, we abide with him. We follow him. We obey him. When we love Jesus, we love each other. Here's my hope for the Abide with Jesus series that we're going to do really from now until Lent. I hope that as we abide with Jesus, we'll fall in love with him. Maybe for the first time, for some of us, might be the first time you fall in love with Jesus. Maybe for others, it'll be rekindling, a, a rebirth, a renewal of a first love.
We remember what first love was like, don't we? I think most of us here could probably relate to first love. The head over heels kind of love that makes us crazy. Remember those crazy first love type of things? Crazy talk on the phone for hours. Anybody else ever do that when you were first in love? Staying up half the night with your beloved, maybe staying up all night with the one you love? Anybody remember that? Okay, you're all looking at me funny, like, am I the only guy who ever did this stuff? (laughs) Okay, those of us who've had first loves, we were crazy head over heels in love, and we did weird stuff. It caused us to do crazy things. Um, When we were not with our beloved, we would dream about them all the time. We would wish we were with them. People did crazy things with love. I heard about a guy who was so crazy in love, he thought about tattooing his beloved's faith face over his Harley Davidson tattoo. That's love, right? Crazy love, new love, first love. I might still be crazy in love because I'm still thinking about getting a Mary tattoo. My only problem is I can't figure out where I want to put it. I still dream about Mary when I'm not with her. And I think about what would make Mary smile. Of course, before Christmas, I was thinking about what Mary wants. And I, she puts a lot of effort into um, doing special gifts, and so that's raised the game for me, too. And I know that her primary love language is not getting gifts. So I can't just go out and get any old gift, and she'll be satisfied with that. I have to really work at it. One of her love languages is acts of devotion or acts of service. So she really feels loved when I put a lot of effort into something. So instead of buying her expensive jewelry or a new blender, what I did this year for Christmas was I made her a scrapbook of memories. And I wrote a poem about our honeymoon, which I can't share with you. (laughs) And I got to tell you, and that was about the only gift I gave her because we also had a huge vet bill, which I paid for her dog that she loves. I scored with this gift, I got to tell you. She was happy. She was very happy, and so I was very happy. This is how first love works. When we are in love, we want our beloved to be happy. We want to do what they want to do. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. If we love Jesus, we'll follow him and we'll abide with him and we'll obey what he tells us to do. We are what we love. And if we love Jesus, we want to make him happy. I'm going to suggest a, a couple of small steps One small step in abiding would be simply to take up this challenge to dwell in the Word, specifically in the Gospels. So we've been spending the last many months dwelling in the Word, and we worked our way from the uh, Genesis all the way up to the New Testament. So now we're in the New Testament, and we'd like to invite you to consider this challenge. Between now and Easter, reading one New Testament chapter a day, and by the time you get to Easter, you'll have read the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Those are the places where you're going to find the best description of Jesus. 
You're going to get the fullest picture of Jesus and his love. You're going to get the greatest understanding of what Jesus did and accomplished. So I'd like to invite us maybe to consider if we want to abide with Jesus for the next few weeks, simply read one chapter of the gospel every day. Now, some of us started this already at the beginning of the year, and we started with Matthew chapter 1. There are some readings in the handout that do match. If you want to continue, you can follow the weekly handout. But simply put a bookmark in your Bible and start reading. Uh, We're up to Matthew chapter 7. Start reading one chapter a day, and you'll get... If we would dwell in the Word like that and abide with Jesus like that, it makes me wonder what will happen. Question, how do you think... Abiding with Jesus will shape us as a community in the next three months. Just read a chapter a day. How do you think that would shape us? Maybe that's too big a question. Let's ask this question. How do you think abiding with Jesus will shape you in the next three months? If you just took one chapter of the gospel every day and said, I'm going to spend a little time with Jesus and understand, how do you think it would shape you? Well, when I thought about this, I started to wonder about one particular fruit that seems possible from abiding with Jesus. And it's this fruit, the fruit of loving one another. John seemed to think that was really possible in John chapter 15. If you abide in me, if you remain with me, if you obey my commandments, what's the fruit? You'll love one another. Do you think that abiding with Jesus can help you love better in the next three months. I'm wondering if that's possible. I did some really quick research yesterday afternoon. Um, In 2017, the average number of Facebook friends was 338. How many of you have Facebook accounts? Do most of you have those? Okay. So on the average, we have 338 friends on our Facebook accounts. And most people, especially younger people, actually count these as real friends. They're like people who care about them and they love them. And this may be true. But there's another stat that I'm curious about, and it's this. Do you know the average number of real people friends that Americans have? The average number of real people friends that Americans have. What do you think? Two. Two. And apparently that number has been on a steady decline for 25 years because 25 years ago, the average number was three. That means that the average person only has two people in their life who would give them a hug, offer them a word of encouragement, laugh at their jokes, hang out with them when they're sad. Only two people who are with them in person. And uh, I don't know, that stat made me sad for a lot of reasons. I also came across this little tidbit that actually having real people friends is not just emotionally good for us, it's actually physically good for us if you have real people friends. Having real people who love us and protect uh, and walk with us, it actually protects our health just as much as if you stop smoking. And having real people friends is actually a lot better for our health than regular exercise. 
So if you want to get healthy in 2018, don't go run a marathon. Just get some more friends. That would make you healthier. Actually, a researcher from the University of Texas studied this, and he suggested that we need five, a minimum, at least five real people friends to have optimal well-being. And we average two. Men, by the way, are particularly bad at this, especially deep, loving friendships that make room for laughter and crying and hugging, things like that. So I'm not actually telling anyone here to go run out and make a bunch of new friends, but I'm wondering this. If we spent more time abiding with Jesus, would we get it to be a lot better at keeping the commandment, love one another? That's what I'm wondering about. If we rekindled our crazy first love for Jesus, would we love each other better? I'm wondering. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. My commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now I have to admit to most of my life I've thought about this commandment pretty generically. Like, yeah, because Jesus loves me, I love everyone. Right? I can say that. I love everyone. But the longer I live, the more I find that I'm actually on the receiving end of very specific acts of love where people come into my life and they do very kind things and very generous things and they listen to me and they're patient with me and they forgive me and they give me generous gifts. These things happen on a regular basis and when I see these really specific kinds of love, it makes me actually appreciate God's love for me even more and it actually makes me think about how I can love better. I've watched many of you love each other really well and I see this in everyday kind of practical kind of loving ways. I see people, uh, this week I saw people making hospital visits just because they were friends, just because they loved, because they cared for somebody. I see people make meals, I see them send cards and give rides and pray faithfully. I see these things happen day after day after day where people love in specific ways. I watch people sit with others in the middle of their hurt and celebrate with people in the middle of the joys and I watch people hug one another recklessly. In fact, I... I've heard several of our kind of long-term members talk about this is how our church actually started. It started, this is how they said it. They said, I came and they loved me. And that's how they stayed. And some of you might have that same testimony for why you're here. You came and you felt loved. This is an important, powerful thing. And this is actually the way the church has been since the days of Jesus, since people started following Jesus. Came across this interesting story. In the first century, you know, Christianity spread very quickly throughout the entire Roman world, but it got persecuted. and Christians were under great suspicion. They had given up a pagan lifestyle and they were obviously living differently and people were concerned about that. So wild rumors actually started to circulate about Christians and their kind of cannibalistic practices and some of the things that they were doing, very harsh. And so there was a church leader named Tertullian who wanted to write a defense of Christianity early in the history of the church. And he made a case for the faith, and his greatest defense was what? How much they loved each other. This is what he wrote. It is mainly the deeds of love, so noble, that lead many to put a brand upon us. See how they love one another, they say? They mark, the Christians were marked by love. We used to sing a song about that. They, know, they will know we are Christians by our love. Remember that song? 
Which got me to wondering, if we just would abide with Jesus a little more for the next few months, would we grow in love? Not a generic kind of love, yeah, we love people, but a very specific 168 hours a week love that's lived out with our neighbors and with each other, loving each other well. I got so excited while I was reading this and dwelling in John 15, I actually am thinking about becoming a reckless hugger. Some of you know that I'm not really, I'm more of a reluctant hugger. Some of you know that. But you also know that I come about that naturally. It comes from my mother. My mom hugs like an ironing board. She's here today, so I can say this. Ever try to hug an ironing board? I experience straight and stiff every time I hug my mom. And you take it from me, it's no fun to hug an ironing board. So... But I do like to hug. I like to hug Mary. I like to hug my kids. I like to hug and be hugged when there's a really good reason to hug. So I told someone this story recently. If it was you, I apologize. I hate to repeat stories. But it's about my son, Travis. I have a son, Travis, who, when he was growing up, took piano for many years. And every year, his teacher made him play in the city music contest. If any of you have had that experience, you know the joy of that. If you're doing piano in the city music contest, you have to memorize your piece, which was a lot of pressure and stress, but it was part of the experience. So seventh grade, Travis sits down at the piano, and he starts to play a song that he has played hundreds of times. Any of you who have been part of this experience know that. You've heard this song hundreds of times. He's played it probably a hundred times by memory by this time. He sits down, and he starts to play six notes, And his brain locks up. And he can't remember the seventh note. And he just sits there. I remember it was seventh grade because he had a whole bunch of his friends there. And they were all sitting in the front row watching him. And I saw the look on his face and it was like enough to kill me. And it seemed like he sat there with that look on his face for a very long time until the judge finally said, you can start over. So all of us in the room could finally breathe and he took a breath and he started and he hit those same six notes and he got stuck again. And I'm looking at him and you know what I'm thinking? I spent too much money on those piano lessons. (laughs) No. What I'm actually thinking is this. I'm thinking that kid could use a hug. And the judge says, okay, go ahead come here and look at the music a second and then I'll let you start over. So he walks to the back of the room, looks at the music, walks back up to the piano and he plays it flawlessly. And as soon as he's done, I go up in front of God and the judge and all these seventh grade friends and I give him a great big hug and I tell him I love you and I'm proud of you. Because he needed some love and he needed a hug in that moment. I'm wondering if we would abide with Jesus for the next three months if we wouldn't become really good at figuring out who in our world needs to be loved and if we wouldn't become reckless huggers. That's what I'm wondering about. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to give you thanks for your word and we pray that as we dwell in your word, it will shape us uh, more and more. And... 
We look forward, God, to what you're going to do. And we ask that you'll continue what you've started here already as we come to your table now, that you will nurture us and feed us, help us even here to catch a glimpse of just how great a love was offered to us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We do like to start the year by celebrating communion together. And as we come to this table, we come recognizing that we have received a great gift and that this gift represents God's lavish love, a love that he just pours over us. And as we come to this table, we we usually come and we have kind of three movements. The first movement is remembrance. We come and we remember that Christ went to the cross, that he died in our place, that he was buried, and that he raised again from the dead. We recognize that he did that for us. We remember his suffering done out of love for us. The next thing that happens is then we have communion. We have abiding, exactly what John 15 was talking about. And in the same way, a branch abides in a vine and draws life. So we abide in Jesus and we draw life. When we take this bread and this cup, we are abiding with Jesus, coming near. In a way, we don't do any other time in our walk with him. It's a very special moment. And then the next movement then is hope. Because we recognize that this little piece of bread, this little cup, it's just, a, it's just a foretaste of a great feast that's going to come one day because of this lavish love when we are seated at a banquet table sitting across from Jesus for all eternity. So we have hope that this is just a pledge or a foretaste of that. As we come to this table, we make this invitation. Everyone who loves Jesus is welcome. We come to this table to celebrate what he's done for us. And so if you've come to the point in your life where you confess faith in Jesus Christ, then you're welcome to participate with us. On the last night when Christ was with his disciples, he had a meal with them and then he took the bread and after he blessed it, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Do it remembering my love. In a similar manner, he took up a cup, and after he blessed it, he said, this is a new covenant of my blood, which has been poured out for you. Poured out in love. As often as you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to pass out the elements by passing the bread first, and we ask you to hold that till everyone's been served. There's gluten-free items in the middle of each tray if you need those. And then after everyone's been served, we'll, we'll share in this meal together. And then we'll pass out the cups and we'll hold those till everyone's been served and then we'll drink the cup together. So I'd like to invite the elders to come forward at this time and prepare to serve. As you're uh, waiting to take the elements this morning, you might continue to reflect on what would it change for you if you were abiding with Jesus in some new ways in the next three months. What kind of love do you think that would rekindle in you?